Hey, this is Nick from Bike Talk. We started our, in around 2008 on an internet radio station called Kill Radio. And in that time, we've interviewed, it must be hundreds of movers and shakers in, in the bike scene, advocacy, regular riders. So today, in that tradition, we have Stephen Box. Hey, how you doing, Nick? Good. Well, it's been a wild and wet week. And um, for those of you that have been following us, you'll recognize Lucas. This is his third visit. Third or fourth? I don't know. Fourth. But uh, Lucas is doing a few things. The first thing is he's uh, pretty close to being our senior uh, disc jockey here at KPFK in the studio, and he sets up Bike Talk for us. He was a music critic today, and... uh, reshuffled our playlist on bike talk the second thing is he's um working with us uh in the community on the mobility bill of rights and uh taking it to neighbor councils and advocacy groups and um the third thing is he's working on the um advocacy uh campaign workbook and the fourth thing is he's going to change the world this is his senior project to change the world for uh make la a better place to ride a bike is that right lucas yes it is so, um, and so here we are. So today I thought that we could uh, talk about the last couple of meetings that Lucas uh, and I went to, um, and we also went with Jesse Harris from the Los Angeles Bicycle, right. um, Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition, and uh, we could talk about, uh, so maybe Lucas could, could tell us his impressions of uh, speaking at the uh, the two different groups, and then uh, we could talk about the Mobility Bill of Rights and some of the things we learned in terms of objections and um, answers to those objections. And um, so, Lucas, uh, tell us about the two meetings that uh, where you spoke. They were very small meetings. There's like 12 people, board members, uh-huh. we had to convince to endorse this bill. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of difficult speaking up in front of a group of people. <laughs> Never really done that. So, what was much. the first meeting we went to? North Hollywood. Oh, before that, the one, the first one we oh, went to. Oh, uh, West Hollywood. No, the uh, bicycle advisory committee. Yeah, the bi- bicycle advisory committee in West West Hollywood. No, that was there was uh, regular Los Angeles. Oh, really? Over at Hollywood City Hall. Yeah. So Los Angeles has. Um, a pedestrian advisory committee, a bicycle advisory committee, and a forestry advisory committee. And Lucas is correct that um, there weren't that many people there. Those the, are the three? Well, there's lots of commissions and committees, but in terms of advisory groups, those are the three. And when I went to the uh, forestry committee mm, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. huge crowd. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting, trees get more people than uh, pedestrians and cyclists, apparently. The uh, Pedestrian Advisory Committee, I went to them about a um, month ago, and there were four members, a city staffer, a staffer, the chair, so that's seven people, and myself. They didn't have enough to vote on things. Oh, really? Yeah, and the Bicycle yeah. Advisory Committee had uh, pretty pretty good 
um, group of folks there, but it was um, there were four people in the audience, and Lucas and I were the two of those four. There was six. Oh, there was. Yeah, there was six. Okay. Um, so Lucas and I were one third of the audience, and uh, in fact, I think Kevin from the West Hollywood Bicycle yeah. Coalition, Kevin Burton, mm-hmm. I think he was there. So Lucas stood up and eloquentatiously said. Said, hello, my <laughs> name is Lucas Schroeder. How about that? I'm doing my senior project on cycling. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, did you, did you want to do the speech? Do you have your speech on your flashcards? No, here? I do not. Did you use flashcards? No. You memorized it? Yeah, it was, it was like a little like 10 second kind of thing. So... I, could you say it? Yeah, sure. Hello, my name is Lucas Schroeder. I'm doing my senior project at Hollywood High School on making cycling safer. I'm here because I'm kind of I'm butchering it right now. I'm doing it so bad. <laughs> uh, can't remember exactly what it was. I'm here because I want me and everybody get home safe and that's why you should endorse this bill that's not exactly what well, i said well, it, it sounded it sounded better than that <laughs> okay yeah and the bill was what? the mobility bill of rights oh yeah well so what happened they endorsed the bill you a victory <laughs> <laughs> wow was it a painful victory no, it was easy, clean. <laughs> <laughs> so the, um, I think uh, a show or two ago we talked about uh, storytelling, and um, the Stanislavski or method approach is kind of, who are you, where are you, what are your relationships, and what's your objective? You know, and however you build on those four beats, um, you know, things should feel natural and they should be organic. And so, um, but at the same time, I think it's important to practice. And going to neighborhood councils and advocacy groups and asking for their endorsement is good practice. And one thing I learned uh, at this meeting is to never underestimate the audience. Hmm. And I went thinking that it's the Bicycle Advisory Committee. I mean, how much intro do they need? Mm -hmm. When you take them the Mobility Bill of Rights, it seemed to me that they would be the first ones to go, well, yeah, done. And it turned out to be, <laughs> man, we got some pretty good questions and challenges on really? the Mobility Bill of Rights. Yeah. So um, I certainly learned never to underestimate because you can only go as fast as the slowest audience member. Mm. And if there's one person that just won't let it go, it doesn't go. So your audience was the the committee. Right. It's a Bicycle Advisory Committee. It's people from... Uh, there's one person for each council district plus four from the mayor. So there's 19 board members. Three of them I've known f- forever. I mean, Glenn Bailey and Aubrey Provost and Ken Strumpel have been on the um, Bicycle Advisory Committee since I met Glenn Bailey, which was the beginning of bike advocacy. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. Everyone says, well, and I met Glenn Bailey. And... The Big Bang. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, he's oh, the Big Bang. Advocacy. But I did, NC and I were on the Metro uh, Red Line, mm-hmm. and uh, we were going to um, 
we were going downtown to the convention center, and there's this guy there with a bicycle. And I said, hey, I didn't know you could take bikes on the red line. And he goes, well, as a matter of fact, you can. And I didn't know this. I mean, we didn't ride the red line that much, but we were going down to, um, it was the Congress of Neighborhoods at the convention center, and Villaraigosa's term was just starting. And uh, Jimmy Hahn was, that was his last day, and or I think it was the last, you know, Jimmy Hahn was going to be there, and then Villaraigosa was going to be there. And so we went to the Congress of Neighborhoods, and we met Glenn. And Glenn said, not only can you ride your bicycle, I mean, bring your bicycle on the, on the red line, but the city has, like, stuff for cyclists. And he invited us to the Bicycle Advisory Committee. Stuff? Yeah, like, you know, Bicycle Advisory Committee. I had no idea. They, they have advocacy and engagement and opportunities and to get involved. And so we went to a um, Bicycle Advisory Committee meeting with Glenn Bailey. But he, that's three of the originals from when I first became aware of them. And then there's a lot of new folks that I'd never met before. Um, but there were, there was a couple of folks that asked us some good, hard questions. They had some objections. They had a, they had a hard time with some of the stuff in the Mobility Bill of right. Rights. And it seems so, I don't know how you say it, self-evident, right? That that's what it's meant to be. Yeah. I mean, some of it's straight up. It's, it's not... It's not debatable. It's a room. So here's the deal. The Mobility Bill of Rights is, I think, three things. It um, has three purposes. I mean, it's an inspirational document. It's an aspirational document. It's a vision document. It's a call to action. It is um, the Mobility Bill of Rights, and it is. it has three audiences. I think the first audience is community members. Uh, you know, when we go to a neighborhood and, and talk with community members, it's great to get this conversation out there. It also has the city policymakers, well, not just the city, but policymakers in general. And the third audience is the individual, because it's a reminder that they have rights. Many of them are inalienable. They're not even open to negotiation or discussion. You can't give them away. You can't take them away. Mm-hmm. They just exist. And a right. lot of the law with regards to um, mobility, you know, have their origins in Magna Carta, the Constitution of the United States of America, you know, common law, um, and then, of course, uh, um, the law as it's articulated in the state of California, city of L.A., et cetera. But nevertheless, uh, they kept us going there for a spell, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Do any of the uh, objections stand out for you? Um, This one guy, he didn't understand what you meant by what was it exact one so there's ten you, you wrote you wrote this a long time ago your your bike riders collective Stephen well the bike riders collective wrote the cyclists bill of rights you know 10 or 11 years ago And in December, when um, the cycling community was rallying uh, uh, in defense of traffic calming, road diets, Vision Zero, or any of the other approaches to making our streets safer for everybody. um, Mike Bonin. Yeah. We we modified the Cyclist Bill of Rights to make it a larger umbrella and called it the Mobility Bill of Rights. So it wasn't just supporting one mode, but all active transportation. So... um, so one gentleman had some objections. For example, fair access. He just 
Did you find it, um, Lucas? Yeah, it was fair access and I think routine accommodations in all roadway projects. He, for some reason, he thinks that that is too much to ask for. Yeah, yeah. so there's three. <laughs> there were three terms. Fair access. Fair access? Yeah. Which part of that? Was the fair access too much to ask for? Well. Both. Fair access is too much to so ask for? So the term fair access is actually a technical term. Okay. Now, for example, you're an educator. Me, yes. And in education, fair access is a term that's routinely used. And it's applied because there are always in a system individuals or groups of individuals who don't have the same representation because of obstacles that they encounter. Mm -hmm. And the obstacles can be many, but it is typically the responsibility of the agency or the authority to take a look at who's not participating, why they're not participating, what are the obstacles that need to be overcome, and how the organization or, or, or authority can remove those obstacles. Mm -hmm. So for example, if they were economic, is there a way for us to make sure that folks that don't have the finances to participate, if we can make sure that they have the opportunity to participate? Right. You know? right. um, if it's uh, public streets, are there individuals who aren't able to participate for some reason? And what can we do to make sure to remove the obstacles? So, mm -hmm. for example, Sunset Boulevard through Echo Park. Can somebody in a wheelchair cross Sunset? Well, theoretically, yes. By law, yes. By design, yes. In reality, no. Why there, not? What's that? Why not? Uh, you won't make it off the curb. There's no curb cut? Correct. Okay. And the the width of the street is so great that you won't make it on the traffic. Well, that's not even th in theory then, if there's no place yeah. for a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. telling you. I, I, the reality is, yeah. in theory, they say, yeah, this works. Yeah. But... Based on reality, reality doesn't uh, challenges uh, the, oh, yeah, these streets work for everybody that needs to use them. But this is because they don't see people struggling because they're just not using it. So kids aren't crossing the street to get to school. Uh, wheelchairs, and I say this because Paul Bowers, uh, you know, shows me the streets and says, you know, this is why they're a housebound people. Somebody if else who's been helping you to roll this out. Yeah. Yeah, so Paul Bowers uh, helped us when we went to um, Echo Park. So fair access sounds like to some people that we're asking for something, and it's because they don't understand that fair access is a, te a technical term, uh, and it's applied in transportation um, to address removing the obstacles that are keeping a specific group from participating in the system, the, mm -hmm. trans the transportation system, whether it's the streets or access to metro or... Um, what, what do they think it is? That uh, somebody wants to elevate themselves to something they don't deserve. In other words, that asking for fair access is not practical. In other words, folks that believe that streets are designed for motor vehicle movement. But this is the Bicycle Advisory Committee. Who, I, who, I, who? I understand. I understand. <laughs> That's why it was interesting <laughs> to meet such objections. The second thing that the same, uh, a second objection was the term routine accommodations. Now, routine accommodations is, again, a technical term. It just means complete streets. It's a checklist for planners. It exists as a planning strategy or as a planning tool. And so routine accommodations just means that anytime anything takes place with regards to roadway projects, whether it's um, uh, 
uh, a new one, whether it's revisiting or repairing or upgrading an existing project, that routine accommodations means that you apply the complete streets check checklist to make sure that you have considered the needs of everybody, mm-hmm. not just a specific mode. So routine accommodations is a technical term. And the third one that was a, a, a concern was full consideration. Mm-hmm. And the objection was you... You don't think that cyclists should be allowed to ride on the freeways. I said, well, actually, in the state of California, there's 4,000 miles of Caltrans highways, and fully 1,000 of them are open to cyclists because when there isn't an alternative path, mm-hmm. you take the highway. Now, granted, most of them are in Northern California in logging country, but when there are no complementary or uh, parallel routes, you ride on the shoulder of the highway. And including uh, in, here in Southern California, you ride the five freeway as you go past Camp Pendleton, because there's no other way. Mm-hmm. Both sides are Camp Pendleton, and it's restricted. And when you're going to, when you're riding towards Santa Barbara in, up by Las Conchitas, until recently, you got on the 101 for a certain section, because there was no compl- there was no route other than on the freeway. So Ensi and I rode the 101 when we were on our, when, when we went to Santa Barbara. Now they have a bike path, the Muscle Shoals bike path. But the point is that. Um, The person's interpretation that full consideration meant you'd have cyclists all over the freeway. Well, one, it's not really a a, a fair uh, interpretation of full consideration. Full consideration is, again, a technical term used in roadway or transportation planning. Um, And it just means that whenever you start something, you'll consider the cyclists and the pedestrians all modes at the beginning, not at the end. And so there was a billion-dollar bridge project down in, uh, in, Long, in, in uh, the harbor area. And the cycling community was involved in the beginning because it's going to have an impact on traffic. Uh, the 405 freeway, the, the widening project, Doug Failing brought the cyclists in to uh, review the plans because freeways have on-ramps and off-ramps. And cyclists have to cross the on-ramps and off-ramps. Like, it has an impact in the local environment. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean, oh my God, here they come riding on the freeway. Not that so we, yeah, what does full consideration mean? <laughs> it just means that if you, Nick, mm-hmm. were to you know take federal funds and you're going to sp- spend a billion dollars in the 405, that you need to consider the impact of all modes. We may not be riding on the 405 when you widen it, but we'll have to cross the on-ramps and the off-ramps. Mm-hmm. We'll have to... Um, it's like an environmental report, but for uh, people... And that's all. Of different... Yeah, and so like when the expo was built, the expo line, mm-hmm. why wait until it's done to say now where would the, how, how would the cyclists and the pedestrians get to the stations? You know, it's, it's a bit after the fact mm-hmm. to consider all modes after the rail has been built, after the street has been built. Which is what they did with the expo line, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they did. That's why there's a bike path that goes through someone's backyard. You know what I mean? It's like they end up trying to squeeze the solution for the other modes. Right as opposed to considering it at the very beginning. So, um, yeah, so it was, uh, I, I'm looking at all 10 of these. Yeah, we, we need to, for the listener, we either need to probably read them or just direct them to where they are online, I would think. Yeah. So. Um, How fast can you read them? Probably pretty fast by now. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, so number you, ones. You guys want to, like, alternate? So, <laughs> it, you know, uh these are the basic rights. There's 10 of them. You go ahead, Lucas. All right. Number one, travel safely and free of fear. Number two, 
fair access. Number three, full support of educated law enforcement. Number four, full support of our judicial system. Number five, routine accommodations in all roadway projects. Number six, full consideration in all roadway development. Number seven, efficient signage signals and maintenance standards. Number eight, be actively engaged as a constituent group. Number nine, roadway planning based on science, data, industry innovations, and emerging technologies. Number ten, be treated fairly and equally. There you have it. The number three, the full support of educated law enforcement. This one typically um, will raise an objection because some folks think it's an insult to say (laughs) that people have the right to the full support of educated law enforcement. And what's interesting about this particular point is that the Los Angeles Police Department, in partnership with the Cyclist LAPD Task Force, developed and implemented the LAPD Bicycle Awareness Video. I don't know if you've ever seen this video, but it was developed by the LAPD. Okay. And in it, the LAPD reminds its officers that cyclists need to be respected as rightful users of the road and as recipients of public uh, police services. And then it concludes by saying cyclists deserve a well-trained police force that understands the law and its application. If the LAPD says that, I think it's okay for us to repeat it without insulting the LAPD. So so was it just you and Lucas? Uh, Well, there was some other, uh, yeah, there was... Uh, you mean presenting the mm-hmm. mobility? Yeah. yeah. And you guys, you, and they, what do you call it? They ratified it or? Endorsed they it. They endorsed, endorsed it, it unanimously. Wow. So this was kind of an important thing that that uh, you had your mentee do here. You know, it's a lot of pressure because on his first foray into the public arena, he got a unanimous endorsement. How do really? you improve on How that? How do you follow that? <laughs> that actually, shouldn't you have set him up with some failure? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> right out of the gate, unanimous. Well, the thing <clears throat> is that um, I think it was, uh, the questions are good because they force us to think about, um, if, if somebody's thinking it, then others must be also. So it's good for us and it helps us um better present our case each and every time. So I think it's great to go to uh, the advocacy organizations and the neighborhood councils. At this point, we've gotten um, endorsements from uh, Rampart Village, uh, Northridge East. Um, I think there's four neighborhood councils. What were the other ones? Well, Echo Park? Echo Park, we got to go back to because they weren't able to act. It was on the agenda. We did the presentation, but they weren't authorized to act. And so we're going to go with um, we're going to go back. We have endorsements from the Transit Coalition. We have endorsements from um, the Caltrans Bicycle Advisory Committee, the Los Angeles Bicycle Advisory Committee, and of course Lorraine Lundquist, a candidate for CD12, has endorsed mm-hmm. the uh, Mobility Bill of Rights. Lorraine Lundquist, great candidate. What's that? Such a good candidate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and we, we yeah. And so um, I'm going, what's that? Bike Talk endorsed her. Oh, great. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Are we allowed to do that? Maybe not. Well, it's too late. I think you already did. Well, 
<laughs> the um, I'm going to blow the uh, Mobility Bill of Rights up into a poster so that the candidates that endorse it can sign it. Great. Uh, and so I'll be at the uh, some of the candidate forums with the Mobility Bill of Rights. But um, so there we have it now. Um, so that was the uh, you. Now you stuck. I had to go because I was heading over to another neighborhood council. <coughs> you stuck around at the bicycle advisory committee for some more discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of the rest of the meeting? Um, it's um, it pretty cool. They were talking about making. One of the guys there was talking about bringing in uh, a bike lane on a bridge that crosses Delhi River, but that one guy who uh, was against your bill and didn't vote on it had uh, didn't like it. He didn't want a bike lane anywhere. I don't even know why he was on that committee. He's so anti-cyclist. I don't understand why he would want to even be there. He's wasting his time. <laughs> What's up with this guy? Well, I think that uh, <laughs> every organization yeah. uh, does well if somebody's on there to keep them uh, on their toes and to challenge them. The second thing is I think that some <laughs> folks just perceive themselves as um, redundant if everybody agrees on everything all the time mm. and perhaps defines their role as the contrarian that challenges or punches holes in every proposal and proposition. Um, that's why I confess I probably went in there underestimating the audience and I think it was a good reminder that you should always open strong and anticipate the fact that not everybody's uh, already in agreement and ready to sign yeah. on the dotted line, and right. so we'll we'll be better presenters every time we meet resistance. Um, but sure. anyway, you were talking about the uh, the um, plan they had for the LA River access, right? Yeah. Um. There was a. I think I can't remember. I, Terrence Houston, who is on the bicycle advisory committee. Yeah. Um, had a funny. He had a funny retort to an objection. Oh, I thought that? I thought you were saying I, th I was thinking of the other Terrence for a second. Terrence, Terence Houston, yeah. Terence Houston, who's been here so, from the Keep Rowena Safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was his? Uh, that makes sense. What did he say when there was an objection to building something across the river? Oh, so there's no bike lane on this bridge, and uh, that guy, I could say his name. No, I can't <laughs> say his name. Uh, he's said, well, there's only 30 cyclists riding their bike on the street across this bridge. And Guy Tarrant says, well, we don't build bridges based on how many people swim across the river. Right. I just read that. He didn't come up with that. Though. He was quoting that, right? He was quoting that. And I'm sure it's a very, you, know, you can apply that to well, a lot of things. Just, <laughs> yeah. You don't, that, that bears repeating, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and th this bridge I has a curve to it. So like once you get around the curve, you're you're just there and the car is hitting 40 plus. It's just like that's you know, you're going to get probably just going to get what, hit. <laughs> which bridge is this? I don't know what the name of the bridge is. Where is it? Is it 
it is it's over by the LA River isn't it? yeah it's uh, over Griffith Park yeah it's like on it's in Glendale mm-hmm. yeah so like the it's there's a bend and around the bend it, it's it's dangerous it's right. not a safe bridge at all really probably for zoo. cyclists is it that zoo drive bridge yeah but I don't know one of yeah. them one of them yeah um where were we well anyway that was our uh that was our bicycle advisory committee so Lu- that was Lucas's uh, first foray into civic engagement and uh, picking up an endorsement for this Mobility Bill of Rights. And yeah. so, put a notch in the, in the. Now he was so happy with his accomplishment there. He said he was ready just to retire with an <laughs> unblemished record and total success. Even the object, <laughs> even the abstainer, uh, changed his vote and and said, you know, he would oh, vote yeah? to support it. Yeah. So uh, we did end up with a unanimous um, uh, vote on the mo- endorsement on the Mobility Bill of Rights. And so, uh, high from the success of that meeting, we then went to um, the NoHo Neighborhood Council in North Hollywood. And uh, Jesse Harris from the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition joined us. Mm-hmm. So the three of us went together uh, before the board. They had a um, they had food. You got you know. I, oh. I told Lucas that yeah. one way to evaluate the neighborhood councils. There's a hundred neighborhood councils. They're all different. But one thing is, uh, you know, if you're going to spend the evening out there, some of our favorite neighborhood councils are the ones with the, the great food. Yeah. And uh, so they had, I think it was Boston Market, you know, and so they had a pretty good spread there. And what, do they have a budget? Yeah. So every neighborhood council has a budget. They choose how to spend it. Some of them spend it on outreach. Some of it spend it on hospitality. Um, some of it spend it on events. You know, like the Palms Neighborhood Council has a bike rodeo every year. Oh. And uh, they do a really, it's a great rodeo, bike rodeo, and they give out bikes and they have a lot of great um, education and encouragement programming. Neighborhood councils uh, sometimes respect the fact that if they want to encourage families to come join them, uh, that they're going to need to account for the fact that somebody's skipping dinner. Right. And, you know, because these meetings take place at 6.30 or 7 in the evening. And so um, so Lucas, you know, uh, he went and fortified with some mm-hmm. sustenance mm-hmm. and nutrition and Put a dent in that hospitality budget, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, which which one was this? This is North Hollywood okay. uh, yes. Neighborhood Council. And um, so what were your thoughts on the North Hollywood Neighborhood Council meeting? Um, it felt better than the last one. There was a lot more people. Yeah. There was like maybe 15 people in the crowd. The, it was a nicer place. And people there were nice. There was still one guy that just... He didn't vote on it, but he wasn't as whiny as the other person. <laughs> whiny is a technical term. Oh, yeah. engagement for uh, Is that an acronym? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what was interesting about um, uh, NoHo was, again, you know, we just come fresh off the let's go ahead and um, address potential objections before we hear them. And so bracing ourselves, the three of us spoke, uh, you know, from the perspective of uh, you know, telling our personal stories and why we thought the Mobility Bill of Rights was uh, an important document with um, significant potential to impact the quality of life in our communities. And right out of the gate, the first lady to speak was all, thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, you know, she's in a wheelchair. She said there are some streets she just can't cross. And there are times she'd love to go get a coffee, you know, with at the local coffee shop. Just can't based on traffic and the mm-hmm. streets are just non-crossable for her at certain times 
She just cannot make it. And she was absolutely appreciative. Who else was? Uh, there was a father with some kids or a kid. Yeah. He really liked the bill. Um, and yeah, this guy who was a, he was a runner. He said it's really dangerous. He runs down the sidewalk. He, it's his, it's his time to go. People nearly plow him down the road. <laughs> um, the other person. Yeah, yeah there were. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple, there's a few people. Yeah. That actually that really liked it. So they were passionate about it. They weren't. Uh, it wasn't a dry process oriented. It was very passionate, and people spoke eloquentatiously in terms of how, you know, it uh, it mobility issues impact their lives. And I thought that was uh, it was very encouraging. There was one objection I think that I'd like to bring up, and that is that um, uh, one one person said, "Well, you know, you need to do something about all of these." Cyclists that run red lights. No, they didn't. Yeah, I get this all the time. That's if so I had weird, a dollar for every time someone said, "Well, you need to do something," so I have, I have. Th- there's three responses, none of which I gave. The first response is, "Let me get right on that," because <laughs> you know I speak to all of the cyclists all of the time, and that's like me telling a motorist that you need to go do something about all of the other motorists that break the law. It's just why do we, why, why, why do people expect cyclists? You to, hear it all the time. Yeah, so why do cyclists expect? Why does the public? Ex- why do some members of the public expect a cyclist to take responsibility for all the cyclists? The second thing is, um, statistically speaking, there was a study done and it said that like 85% of motorists obey the law and 87% of cyclists obey the law. You know, in other words, humans. Humans obey the law or they don't obey the law. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, the, with the cyclists, it varied. It was like 86 at day and 87 at night or something. There was even a differentiation between day and night for cyclists. But Jesse had an interesting comeback, which was a little less argumentative than mine would have been. Mm -hmm. Because after all, we were there for their endorsement, not to um, engage in a public fight. And uh, Jesse said that there was an interesting study that showed that the majority, the super majority, like 70%, the majority of motorists that break the law break the law out of convenience and a desire to get somewhere quicker. Mm -hmm. And that the super, super majority, 90% of cyclists that break the law with regards to traffic violations, do so out of a pursuit of safety. In other words, to do do what's safest, Mm -hmm. not always what's legal. Hmm. Um, And so, you know, what would that mean? It means that sometimes a cyclist is going to uh, turn even though the light doesn't favor them. And keep in mind, 21800 says that if the traffic signal in uh, in um, the state of California doesn't recognize the presence of a cyclist, then it's considered a non-working. But that's not how the public sees it. They see it as a cyclist blowing a red. Can I ask Lucas a question? Yes. What's the importance of this? I think know? hopefully getting as much neighborhood councils to endorse the bill, the better. The elements of the Mobility Bill of Rights mm-hmm. are literally inalienable or already law. And so for us to have a conversation, one, we get to remind a whole lot of folks of things they may have forgotten or chosen to ignore. But the second thing is we'd like to embed it in the DNA of literally everything that city planning, transportation, public works, city attorney, LAPD, 
that every city department and agency that has a piece of the streets, we want to embed the Mobility Bill of Rights in the foundation and the fundamental starting point of everything they do. So that we don't have to debate backwards, you should have thought about this at the beginning of the expo. The fact of the matter is that um, these elements are already law. It's just that they're often ignored because we don't make it uh, important for people to pay attention to them. And so, um, and the, the, another outcome is just straight up individuals, reminding individuals of what their rights are. And so from that perspective, to see so many people, like the woman in the wheelchair, the father with the son, the runner, to see so many people say yes, and to realize it's not just their opinion, it's actually the large, larger community that agrees with them and believes the Mobility Bill of Rights is fundamental and the starting point of how we approach any conversation or project with regards to our streets. But that's the big vision, and that's the purpose, and, uh, and away we go. Thanks, Stephen Lucas. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is biketalkpfk. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 